Hello and welcome to the Three Worlds podcast number 21. See, they keep coming when you least expect a new one. Out it will pop. And this one, as it pops, will be all about music. Because if you've listened to any of the others, you probably realise that uh, I like the stuff. So I'm sitting here, staring into a computer screen, watching my voice go into strange kind of lines and bumps on the oscilloscope of the recording programme. Outside, it's getting slowly dark. It's been the most beautiful April day. Um, Warm, sunny, hasn't been a cloud in the sky all day. It's been absolutely spectacular. And uh, I just feel like spending a Sunday evening doing a nice podcast, because it's about time I did... It's been a long time since I've actually found the time to do another one. So thank you for waiting and here we go. Okay, Um, I'm going to pick up a musical instrument off my desk. You will hear a bell because there's a bell attached to the end of a piece of cord. And it's got ribbons and various other bits and pieces attached to it. And I'm going to put it into my mouth, and... That is, as you probably realised... A jaw harp, sometimes called a Jew's harp, Uh, but jaw harp is more correct, and not just politically correct, it's more accurate. Jews don't actually play them, so, um, or let's put it this way, it's not a traditional Israeli instrument. Um, So, um, it's a jaw harp, and that actual instrument that I was playing is a very old one, and it is actually a shaman's jaw harp from Tuva in southern Siberia and I'm going to talk really about the whole use of different sorts of musical instruments this this time just a kind of hodgepodge of different musical bits from around the world that are connected to shamanism um, we had an article in Sacred Hoop magazine about two years ago about jaw harps and that was really when my interest was first whetted about them Um, I knew that they were a shamanic instrument and I had seen photographs and read accounts of shamans in Mongolia and uh, Siberia in general using them in their practice, but I knew very little about it at that stage. Um, And then we we had this article, which was a a very interesting article written by someone who really specialises in the playing of these things. And... um, then I was sent one from uh, my teacher, uh, Jonathan Horvitz, actually gave me one as a gift that he'd bought in Moscow, and uh, it kind of turned up out of the blue. And it, that was a modern one from Tuva. That's actually here as well. It's, it's got a better sound, uh, but it's, uh, it's a new instrument. <laughs> Oh, 
if you don't know what a jaw harp is, I'll describe one and I'll stick a picture up too on the website. Um, if you imagine a sort of U-shaped piece of iron or brass, the, the modern one that I just played is made of brass, um, U-shaped, and the top bits of the U are bent towards each other, and from the very bottom of the U there is a thin strip of metal, which is a sort of hard steel, which vibrates. And if I just vibrate it now, I don't even know if the microphone will pick it up, but this is just the thing vibrating outside of my mouth. Oh yeah, you can hear that. That's just a thin strip of metal vibrating in the middle of the jaw harp. And what you do is you rest the two prongs of the U-shape against your teeth, and your mouth becomes a resonating chamber for the vibrations of that thin metal strip. So you just put it against your mouth and... And as you move your mouth around, the sound changes. I'm just moving my tongue and I'm moving the whole shape of my mouth. Okay, fun. Great fun. They're lovely to play because they're fun. But what's their role shamanically? What are they about? Well, from my own experience, I found that they're very mind-altering, really. Um, they're very calming. They have a very sort of uh, otherworldly effect on the person playing them. They're much more a solo individual instrument for yourself rather than a performance instrument, although... Of course, they can be mic'd up, and uh, I remember seeing a concert a few years ago of a group from Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> oh, why do these places always have such difficult names? Kyrgyzstan. Um, and uh, they uh, they were using them uh, with uh, uh, some wonderful sort of long neck lutes as well, and uh, they were real virtuosos. Wow, could they play them? Amazing. Um, so... You know, unless, you, unless you're going to kind of mic up, though, they're not really a sort of performance instrument. They're for yourself. If you ever play them, you will find that you go inside yourself. They really take you into a sort of a trance space that's actually similar to a shamanic journey space. It really alters your perception. And actually, I use them quite a lot, sort of just as a meditation instrument, really. But also, more recently, I've uh, I've actually started playing them before I go on a journey. If I feel that the journey, the shamanic journey that I've got to do is a kind of a more heavyweight one. If I need to kind of get into the zone, so to speak, before I actually embark on the journey. They're wonderful for that because it's like by the time you've played one for a few minutes, you're half there anyway. And then I'll start to drum and I'll go into the journey that way. That's one of their uses. Outside in nature, they're fantastic, just as a sort of meditation and an attuning tool. Uh, they really are excellent things. Um, now, the other use that they're put to in, uh, in traditional shamanism is that very often, as I described mine right at the beginning of this recording, mine is hung with uh, chords and streamers, and there's a bell on the end of one of the cords and all sorts of bits and pieces of cloth. And you very often see almost quite over-the-top displays of cloth 
hanging from the bottom of these instruments. And one of the things that they're actually used for is blessing and curing by the shaman. And this is done by the shaman goes into trance and calls his spirits with the jaw harp. They actually will go on a journey with it, in effect. They will be in uh, an altered state of consciousness, communicating with their spirits and taken over by the spirits very often too. The Mongolian phrase for that being on God Arud, which is uh, in effect it's spirit possession. And once the shaman is really in communication with their spirits, the, uh, the jaw harp is an empowered object and therefore it will be used as a sort of... Um, gentle whip the patient will be hit by the the cords that hang down from it or they will be sort of uh, wiped and cleansed with these things and that's another traditional way that you you could actually use one of these instruments in your healing they're very lovely for that they're also very very lovely as methods of working with your intent i sometimes use mine if i'm doing absent healing for someone um in effect i will use the uh, the sound of the jaw harp as a sort of carrier wave for my intent to do healing or cleansing um, of that person. A, f a friend of mine had a rather nasty accident with um, a very sharp tool in, in a wood that he was doing some work in and uh, she wasn't paying very much attention and almost sliced off two of her fingers and um, and she had to have her fingers pinned with tiny little bits of surgical steel and all sorts of things and then eventually these had to come out and one of the things that I did with the jaw harp before that was to actually play them out use the vibration of the instrument um, with my intent uh, and the aid of my spirits to actually um, in effect loosened these bits of surgical steel that were down the length of her finger and uh, and they came out beautifully now that perhaps they would have come out beautifully anyway I expect they would but it was still a nice intentful thing to do and using the jaw harp that way I suggest with any musical instrument that you actually get like a drum or a rattle or a jaw harp however you sort of you know whatever you read about or or, or pick up from other people you have to tune into the instrument yourself you've really got to kind of work with its spirit and of course that's one of the journeys that you can actually make too you can actually journey to the spirit of the instrument too if you're familiar with the process of shamanic journeying but the instrument has to sort of work with you and you will find your own unique ways of working with it and find different methods of actually sort of employing it in your practice they're easy to get. You can get modern ones. Um, they, uh, you know, music shops will sell them. They're they're going to cost you probably less than sort of ten dollars for a very bog standard basic one, seven or eight pounds. Um, if you want to get a better one, um, you can look around. eBay is actually quite a good place for them, believe it or not. And there are a lot of companies on eBay that are selling ones made in the former Soviet Republic and, you know, th places like Tuva and uh, sort of southern Siberia in general. And, you know, you don't need to buy an old one. It's nice if you've got an old one, but it's not essential. The main thing is that it actually sounds and works OK and plays. Um, 
and then kind of work with it, get experienced with it. They're not difficult to play. You know, just sort of put it against your mouth and play around with it, and you'll you'll soon find that you can make a sound with it. Um, it doesn't hurt your teeth. Some people have said to me, you can't do that, it'll break your teeth, but it doesn't. It really has no effect on your teeth at all. Except I will admit, I will admit that once I had a broken tooth, unbeknown to me, it was nothing to do with the jaw harp. Um, I had uh, found a, a, a chunk of rock in a cake and... Um, crunch down on it and you know how you sometimes break a tooth and it, it's cracked it's like there's a crack in my tooth which you know and I didn't know that it was broken at all but the jaw harp found it because I couldn't play the jaw harp for a while until the dentist had actually solved it for me because it made the two halves of the teeth vibrate and it didn't exactly hurt but it was really uncomfortable and I didn't know what the hell was going on because as far as I was concerned I didn't have a cracked tooth or any problem with it and uh, it was only when the dentist actually sort of dealt with that tooth that the uh, the, the jaw harp vibration didn't uh, make me feel uncomfortable again but that's obviously a very natural thing I mean it does vibrate and if you've got a, a broken tooth like that yeah it's going to kind of feel strange in your mouth but they're lovely get them and uh, you know you can tie bits of cloth to it you can do all of those bits and pieces and experiment with it they're lovely instruments and they're not very widely known in shamanic circles um, I've introduced the jaw harp to several people now and all of them have actually discovered that it's become a major part of their shamanic practice they really really are good and I guess lots and lots of generations of Siberian shamans well I guess they knew a thing or two because they kind of sussed out that these were neat things too so follow their example they are neat things all right I'm going to play you another piece of music this isn't me playing and uh, we're going to move location somewhat and definitely move sound world a bit so have a listen to this and see what you think of it Salam, 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 Salam,
وسيدي مسجن قولوا مرحبا سيدي مسجن وصل الله عليك عدد ما في السماء وعدد ما في الله ربي السلامة الله الله مامورا Now that was a piece of music, a song from Morocco in North Africa. And you're kind of thinking, I know, well, what's shamanic about that? But actually it is. That's a piece of music from an Islamic form of shamanism called the Noir. G-N-A-W-A. Noir. Um, traditions of Morocco and it's played on a bass lute which has got three or sometimes four strings and the lute is called a gimbra or gimbri or sentry and uh, it's also played with some iron castanets which are called kwakabeb and uh, you hold those one in each hand and you sort of play them and they're very heavy and they're very loud they're enormously loud i have a pair of those and i have uh, i have one of the lutes as well and i enjoy playing around and recording with them and playing them from time to time and the castanets hurt your hands they are so heavy and um you know the the people who play them kind of uh, traditionally god they must have such strong hands they really are hard to play they hurt me you know as a musician i've got lots of sort of muscles in in hands that uh, you know a lot of people kind of don't generate because you know as a musician you move your fingers in in all sorts of ways that most people don't so i've got quite strong hands but by god those those quakabeb hurt and as I say, they're enormously loud. Okay, so noir music. Um, the noir is a spiritual tradition in Morocco. You get the uh, the musicians out in the streets in sort of daytime doing tourist performances, but the actual music itself came up with slaves from uh, more southern areas of Africa, probably from Mali and places like that. Several centuries ago, the Moroccan people actually had the, the, the Mali people as slaves and because the tradition came up with them and uh, Morocco is an Islamic country, they kind of merged the, their own spiritual traditions with uh, Islam. And now you have this incredible musical form, which you can kind of think of the original drum and bass, if you like, um, where they sing all night uh, they have all night ceremonies and they are singing to the spirits of the desert, the jinn. And the, each of the, the songs calls a specific jinn and the people who are performing the music play it for dancers who will be taken over by the jinn and they will perform healing ceremonies. The, the dancers go into another state of consciousness. They, they may not shamanically journey, but they are absolutely possessed by the spirits of the desert, by these jinn. Uh, and uh, they perform healings and you know do all sorts of bits and pieces like that in these all night ceremonies the uh, the jinn each jinn desires uh, particular perfumes and particular colors so the dancers have to wear the costumes in the particular jinn's color and uh, they um, have to spray perfume 
of a particular scent to attract the jinn in order for them to be taken over by it. It's quite a fascinating tradition. I did some research on it some years ago and I wrote an in-house uh, article for Sacred Hoop magazine, which I'll put up on uh, the Three Worlds website. I'll go a link for that at the end. And it may it may actually be there already. I'm not completely sure. I will pause the recording in a minute and check on on the internet. Um, but uh, you can sort of uh, you can read my my article about it. Um, I love the music. I absolutely love the sound of those bass lutes. I mean, they really kind of do something to me. I'm very 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 fond of North African music in general, actually, and uh, that that kind of combination of the uh, the the beb, the castanets, and uh, the bass lute kind of just makes my spine tingle. I love it. Very different form of shamanism, um, but I wanted to kind of use it because it it really is a shamanic music. Um, you can still play the instrument as a sort of, uh, you know, in a secular, non-shamanic way. Uh, it's pretty boring as an instrument. I got to say, it's like you you can't you can't pick out tunes on it. Um, they're not very easy to play either, as lutes go. Um, and uh, you know, they they're just basically used for playing sort of bass bass runs. Uh, but uh, they they have a lovely sound, and it is a, an absolutely shamanic use. Okay, so that was North Africa. This is just going to be a kind of fun pop around the world, look at different sort of shamanic bits of music um, podcast. Not terribly in depth, really, but uh, I hope you'll enjoy it. And we're going to go off somewhere else now. So this is another piece of shamanic music from another culture on another continent. shamanic music from Korea and it's a sort of music called Sinoi uh, it's performed on the hourglass drums and flutes and also quite often uh, a sort of dulcimer which is called uh, Kagoem I believe I've pronounced that right I probably haven't Pluck dulcimer um, it's, uh, it's sort of described as a sort of stately 
dance and uh, it's a sort of warm up for the shaman to go into trance uh, very different I guess part of what I'm trying to do on this podcast is to demonstrate some of the wide ranging uh, musical forms that are available around the world in shamanism I mean we're all very familiar with the use of the drum and the rattle and and song too um, but uh, there are many uh, many other forms of music which have a, a transcendental is that the right word? it'll do yes, transcendental sort of form to it um, transinducing is probably better and that's one of them I do have to say it kind of doesn't do it for me I've never quite managed to get on with the music of the Far East um, China and Japan and places like that it's just never kind of uh, grabbed me as a musical tradition I've never particularly enjoyed it um, give me North African any day <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it it's uh, yeah I mean it, it it's a very uh, otherworldly sort of music and I guess I can see how it would work um, and probably when you're there with the musicians and they've been playing for quite some time um, then yeah I could I could understand it I guess the essence of any shamanic music is actually monotony um, if you make it boring enough people go into trance I mean I jest but in, in essence that's true it's repetitive phrases in music um, the, uh, the 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 bass lines of the uh, gimbra lutes in in the noir music is is very much a repeated pattern, and um, there's that sort of repeated pattern too that's happening with the percussion and the sort of the in the way that the uh, the music kind of continues on in that kind of way with the Korean music, it's it's very much that sort of repeated pattern and that does do things to the brain anything that is sort of monotonous does tend to put us into trance so monotony is very much used in that way within uh, shamanic music um, so I think you know what I've really done today is try to show some of the music that is less sort of usual within shamanism and there's no reason why you can't experiment yourself I mean, the jaws harp that we started the podcast with is a very sort of internal instrument anyway, so it does very naturally put you in a trance. But if you are a musician of any sort, um, try actually playing with your musical instrument uh, in that kind of slightly repetitive way. Use it as a sort of vehicle for, for inducing a trance for yourself. And uh, if you get the opportunity, try playing outside. I, one of the things that I actually really enjoy doing is playing music in my garden. And um, I will quite often go and play, uh, invariably, I, I tend to play a medieval uh, instrument or I play an oud um, out there because those are the instruments that I kind of gravitate to as I'm sort of wanting to play something. But um, I find that that actually kind of... Although on one level I'm busy playing the instrument, another part of me is sort of almost dialoguing with the natural world. And I had the most strange experience once with a harp. I have a medieval harp which I took outside and it was a windy day and the weather was particularly sort of strange. It was warm and windy and quite stormy but there wasn't any rain around but it kind of felt like it could at any time 
And I sat there and I played the harp and the wind joined in with me and it played it too like an Aeolian harp. And that was weird. That was really strange experience. I can explain it away on a sort of logical level of, yes, I was playing the harp and the wind was blowing the strings. And on that mundane, dead matter thinking way of explaining it, yeah, sure. But I was there and I was playing and the wind was playing with me and I went sideways. My consciousness went strange. It was a very unusual experience for me and uh, I, I think, you know, that sort of thing can happen if you are actually wanting to to work with music in that way. Just try it. Just try doing it if you're a musician. You know, if you play a guitar or if you play a fiddle or whatever, let the music come through you. Um, I don't read music. I've never learned to read music. And I do have to say I've got a lot of musician friends that do read music. And I think the reading of music actually is a bad thing there. That's controversial, isn't it? Um, I say it's a bad thing because I think it can kill the improvising part of the person. I've met, I really have met people who cannot actually just pick up an instrument and play it. They can only do it if there's music in front of them. And I think if you can be with your instrument in a way that is natural and spontaneous... I mean, I improvise an awful lot. Almost everything that I play, I improvise. And uh, not the recordings, obviously, but, well, a lot of those start as improvisations too. But um, you go into a different space. You really do go into a kind of different different way of thinking, different way of being, if you're kind of tuning into the music and letting it come out of you. And I think if you're doing that with an instrument, with an inkling of shamanic trance anywhere, you kind of vaguely have some perception of being in an altered space, then I think you can do it in a more conscious way. So that's something perhaps those of you who are musicians, you could have a go at doing. Just play with it. Um, I guess that's how all of these musical traditions started. And, uh, you know, we're no different to uh, to people 40,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago. We're just people, and uh, we're great. <laughs> people are just, they blow me away, really. I mean, they're just amazing. Oh, shut up, Nicholas. I've gone on too much. I think it's probably, at this point, time to call it a pod. My email address, nick at sacredhoop.org. My website's various ones... Uh, Sacred Hoop magazine is sacredhoop.org forward slash offer dot html. That will take you to a page that doesn't have any other links to it. And there you will be able to get a cheap um, subscription to the magazine. OK, other websites, threeworlds.co.uk. So um, I think that probably just about covers it. Be back soon with another podcast. Promise. Keep, keep waiting. Keep pestering me with emails. They do help. It makes me feel guilty. And then I actually kind of pull my finger out and plug in the microphone. All right. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye.